Okay, we do have watched. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you expecting somebody to argue with you? <laughs> you look as if you're. It's. I mean, given that's what usually happens at work, I suggest something. Somebody argues back. I'm like, oh, everyone's agreed. Okay, that never happens. Good morning, Vietnam. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Obviously, with the cinemas planning to close down again, or Cineworld certainly planning to close down again, we are having to take refuge in TV, Netflix, books, you name it, anything apart from obviously going to our local giant multiplex. John, what have you been watching since we've last podded together? Quite a lot of stuff, actually. I watched the final four Hellraiser films in preparation for our podcast, which has not yet come out with <laughs> regarding them, which we had a lot of fun talking about. So I had to watch all those four uh, to varying degrees of enjoyment. But dear listeners, please listen to our podcast on that rather than me expounding on it here. I went back and watched Memento after our discussion the last time because I hadn't seen it in about 10 years. And it was really good. Really, really enjoyed it. I'd forgotten just how good Guy Pearce was in it. And I also watched Long Shot. I can't shake this feeling that we know each other. We do. We do? Picture me, I guess, maybe like 20 years younger, but like this. Florsky? Yeah! What are you doing these days? I'm a journalist. You're a great writer. But sometimes you're a little too much. I don't think I am too much. I actually think I am the perfect right portion. It's really nice to see you again. Crack it down! I'm okay! Do boys you just call me a cracker? seen that is Charlize Theron and it's a, a comedy it was I was looking for something on Netflix to watch a comedy something to cheer me up a wee bit and it was this she is a, a politician who is going for on a presidential run and she sort of she gets a, a writer in that she's known since childhood and they become romantically involved and stuff and he's a total slacker and everything and it's it's all right. It's a good laugh. It's actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, there are a lot of really good funny moments in it, especially the sequence when they're both on drugs, which was, which was actually quite amusing. Was that the one What's with it? Seth Rogen? Sorry. Seth Rogen. That's who I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. I enjoyed that. I, I didn't expect to really enjoy it at all, but I remembered it get fairly decent reviews at the time. So I also watched a Russian film called Coma which is a Russian science fiction film about a guy who may or may not be living in a world where the, the world is in bits and it's 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 a bit like a an Escher sort mm-hmm. of setup. Things are all over the place and it's it's actually very ambitious. Uh, the version I watched was the dubbed version of it, which is very strange. I always find watching dubbed stuff very, very strange mm-hmm. because they're all speaking in these accents that don't suit them and don't they, they can't sync up particularly well because there's no correlation between English and Russian in this case. There's just there's, there's no way they can do it. So but when you get past that, it was fine. What else did I watch? I watched Anola Holmes, Netflix film with Millie Bobby Brown and various others in it about the younger sister of Sherlock Holmes and her adventures. That was pretty good actually. Pretty enjoyed it it's a lot of fourth wall stuff in it she always speaks to camera and everything which was pretty good enjoyed that and draft day i don't know if you guys have ever seen this it's a kevin costner film 
about the NFL draft day that they have once a year, and it's all got to do with the drama around that. Now, it sounds some shite to be honest but <laughs> I've seen it when it came out and it's obviously sponsored by the NFL and everything but it's, it's, it's actually a really good sort of comedy drama there as well the only bit about it is there's a romantic relationship between Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner and that doesn't play particularly well because she's about 35 years younger than him. I was going to say, that's like a father-daughter relationship. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. weird, yes, yeah. They p- sort of skirt around it by the fact that he was previously married to someone who was more age-appropriate to him, <laughs> which obviously failed. And uh, there isn't a daughter or anything in the picture where, you know, it's the same age as her or anything. Yeah. But the, the drama <laughs> itself is actually pretty good. I was amazing trying to slap that into the plot. You know, kind of like, so this, this is my wife. I know she looks a lot younger than me, but I did have an ex-wife who was more appropriate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that didn't work out, yeah. That didn't work out, so midlife yeah. crisis, did I come? Yeah, but it's all right, because we don't have kids to make, for you to make a visual comparison, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah. You, you may think this uh, dialogue's post-exposition, but trust me, it'll make a lot of nothing. With the film as well, I'd forgotten that Chadwick Boseman's in it. It's one of his very Aww. early performances. He's He's got a reasonably minor role in it, but he's, he's obviously very good. And it was a, there's a few people in it that have gone to sort of bigger things. That was the sort of one that stood out for me. I have obviously been watching an awful lot of stuff at the London Film Festival, but I suspect we're probably going to pod that at some point, maybe have a wee discussion about that. So I'll just hold off and talking about that. In terms of TV... I've been watching the third day, the Jude Law drama. Most people are scared of pain. But they don't know how warm they can be. I think I'm seeing things. You're here because you needed belief. But your grief wants chaos. Something happened here. Something violent. Is there someone frightening you here on the island? Have you heard about this at all? It's, yeah. It was all over the media news last weekend. It's a, a drama set in three different parts. Now, it was originally meant to be scheduled over the summer, and then there was going to be an autumn one and a winter one. So there's three parts. It's Jude Law, and he's on this island of Osea, which is an actual island, and it, it's connected to the, the mainland and disconnected at various times of the day due to the tides because there's a roadway that covers over. So he's in there because he he rescued this girl from, what was it, she, or she tried to hang herself. So he takes her back over to this island where she lives and he's got this feeling that he's been there before and some things feel familiar and other things are just completely weirdly strange. Now there's three episodes of that and then there was a 12-hour live event last Saturday between half nine in the morning and half nine at night, I think it was, on Sky Arts and HBO. They just showed it live and he was involved in it and it's got to do with a, it was a festival that was been talked about as part of the, the story, sort of our long stories and mm. then this must be this whole festival. Now I haven't seen all of the 12 hour thing and some of it just seems to be a bit wibbly wobbly and a bit, it drags a wee bit, but there's story in there as well and I'm trying to get to see that. Unfortunately, it's not on any of the catch-up services. The only way you can see it at the moment is on the HBO Facebook page. They've got it there in two six-hour blocks, but I suspect it will come on to catch-up at some point because it was on Sky Arts. I'm sure it'll be there somewhere. 
See, I quite fancied that third day. I kept seeing it advertised, and I thought, right, I've missed the first couple. I'll just uh, go to catch up, get them downloaded. Then I heard about that 12 hour play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went, fuck that. I'll just leave it. <laughs> I don't think you will be missing very much if you don't see the 12 hour play because I think it just expands on the sort of Islanders' life and everything from what I've heard. And there's some plot elements in it, but. I mean, the, the next part of it, which is the winter part, has a completely different sort of headline cast. I think it's Nomi Harris is the, the main actor in it rather than Jude Law. So I haven't seen the third part of it, so I don't know how that plays out or how the, the whole 12-hour thing plays out because I haven't read any reviews because I want to hold off on it. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's a big sort of event thing, and I think it would have been more of an event if we weren't in lockdown because it would have got more publicity and things like mm-hmm. that. And you would have had all these people on the telly talking about it and stuff, but... It seems to have passed a lot of people by for some reason, which is a bit of a shame. It's one of the best things I've seen this year. I think. I'll, need to, I'll need to get into it then because of that. Like I said, I did really like the look of it when I saw it advertised originally. I just, it just yeah. passed by. So along with that, I've watched the second series of Mayans MC, the motorcycle drama, which is a spin-off of Sons of Anarchy, which is excellent, really, really good drama. I watched the first one last year i think and this kind of falls on nicely it follows the same sort of path in terms of storylines and things like that. And it's, it's really good and i started re-watching battlestar galactica just because it's on bbc iplayer and that's great i i loved it first time round, and it's just as good it's holding up really well considering it's about 14 years old or something like that it's cracking and finally picard the star trek oh, yeah. series i've worked my way through most of that and that is really good as well. It follows the same sort of trajectory as the Star Trek series that was on Netflix. I'm struggling to remember the title. Discovery. Discovery, yes. In that it's a story that goes across 10 episodes rather than episodic, like Star mm-hmm. Trek and everything used to be. Obviously, there's usually a through line with a lot of these things, but a lot of the episodes are just sort of standalone. And that works really well. It's it's really funny seeing Patrick Stewart trying to run and things like that, which is <laughs> which is one of the highlights of the program when he has to do stunt work and things like that. And that's been it. I've not had any time apart from that, just with various commitments and stuff. So I haven't been reading anything over the last couple of weeks at all. So that's me. Not as busy as usual, but busy enough. Sammy, what about you? What have you been catching up with? I've actually been at the cinema quite a lot. Well, within reason. Just because it get, got gets me at the house, and I was going to see stuff just for the sake of seeing it. Mm-hmm. Looking at French uh, push drama Le Miserable, and it's oh, I saw that advertised. It looked amazing. It was it was pretty good, pretty pretty gritty, you know, mm-hmm. quite quite uh, quite violent in parts, quite quite tense. Won't say too much about the plot because the way it kind of unravels, it's best not knowing much. But it's basically. This cop getting transferred into the the area, uh, it's some kind of learning the ropes, almost like a training day type idea. Basically, getting to kind of know the locals and stuff, and it all kind of kicks off from there. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Quite quite a powerful ending as well. I went to see a New Zealand biker drama called Savage. That was quite good. Quite enjoyed that. Again, very kind of low budget like mm-hmm. drama. I went to see New Mutants. The reason you survived. It's because you're a very uncommon girl. You're not alone. Not anymore. Do you know what mutants are? Would anyone like to share their first time? 
that was okay. It wasn't as bad as the, the reviews make out to be, but you can tell it's just something that once Disney acquired it from Fox, they're like, we have no interest in making this any sequels of that expanded on the story, so we're just going to kill it. And that's what the film felt like. It, it did feel like a TV movie in many ways. The special effects in that were fine. It just didn't really feel like a big deal, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's a shame because it had a lot of, kind of potential. Basically, Bill and Ted. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> I managed to get my yeah, I was just so disappointed by it, so disappointed. I, I really wanted, I really wanted to like it. I tried to like it and just didn't. Like, oh dear. it wasn't very good. Um, I managed to get my hundred film scratch off poster bucket list completed. So I was watching some films for that. Most notable, the highlights: Twelve Angry Men. I watched for the first time. I absolutely loved that. I thought it was brilliant. I uh, watched Amadeus that I quite enjoyed Jen. from that list. Uh, Rosemary's Baby was the last film I ticked off. I really enjoyed that. I didn't find it scary, but I did enjoy it. And uh, The Great Dictator, that was good. Four Wednesdays okay. the Mural was not very good. I was disappointed with that because I've, I've, I've never had an interest in that movie. Has I've it always... aged? Well, I didn't really think it aged that badly, to be fair. It just it was it looked very much an 90s comedy, mm-hmm. but not necessarily in a bad way, I could tell. Uh, but yeah, I, just, I didn't think that was very good. I was, I was like, why is this on the why is this on the poster? <laughs> you try to uh, look making up the numbers here. TV wise, not been watching much actually. I've been watching most of the films. I did watch the fall, uh, all three seasons of that. Uh, it starts off really good, and then you can tell James Dornan's a really big actor in demand, and they're just basically trying to find ways to wrap up the story, which is a oh. shame. But he is very good in it, and. For a guy that gets a lot of kind of slagging for his acting, especially in the Fifty Shades films and that, he is actually very good when given a decent character. Mm-hmm. And Anderson's in it as well, that's always good. I'm also watching, I'm currently watching a documentary just now, The Forgotten, West Memphis Free. Now, you might know the West mm-hmm. Memphis Free from the Paradise yeah. Lost films. Yeah. And obviously it's the wrongful convictions and try to get their case overturned and try to get them exonerated but this is about the three victims hence the title and it's an investigator trying to find other suspects and maybe kind of try and kind of find some more leads and reopen the case uh, it's, I won't, I've not finished it yet, it's two parts on like, Sky Crime that's very good, I would recommend it if you're definitely, if you've been following that case especially, yeah. it's interesting reading wise I read Outgrown God by Richard Dawkins, which if you've read The God Delusion, it's quite similar. Although there's quite a funny bit, and he was talking about the Lost Gospels. And there's a Lost Gospel regarding what happened to Jesus as a child, because you know the Bible kind of jumps from being like mm-hmm. a baby to like, a grown man. This is like a, a Lost Gospel, and it's as authentic as anything else in the Bible. It just wasn't put in the final version. But he's a bit of a dick. And I thought this was Aren't really we all in our teenage years before we work out what we want to do in life? <laughs> Do you know how they always talk about like Superman being a Christ allegory? Is it? I don't know that. Have you seen the film Brightburn? Yes. Yes. It's, this lost gospel is essentially the plot of Brightburn. <laughs> Where you've got the child Jesus, but he's a bit of a dick. He knows right. his powers and he uses them. This kid bumps into him, so he kills him. What the fuck? There's also like another scene where he's like turning like trees that he crows or something crazy like that and like joseph just like schools him like stop that <laughs> and it's so this idea is like god basically playing these powers for the first time and his dad's like they can't do that come here <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> what does he say? No, you're no my da. <laughs> <laughs> Each of them. <laughs> uh, also, this is a hard sentence. I read The Redman by Adam Neville, who also did The Ritual, which was made in the movie, with Rafe Spall, which is very mm-hmm. good. I recommend that. The book's very good, The Ritual as well. Uh, the Redman wasn't as good. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as good. And I'm currently reading Hollywood by Charles Bukowski, which is oh, cool. I've nearly finished that. I've not, I've not got much left yet. I'd really recommend it. It's a fictionalised biography of the making of the film Barfly, starring mm-hmm. Mickey Rourke, based mm-hmm. on Bukowski's cell. So it's very meta and a lot of kind of inception happening in it, but he, he meets a lot of real-life people in the book, and some of them are very thinly disguised, while others are more kind of, you need to think about who they are. Oh, so it's like gossip column stuff where they give you all the clues, but they don't name the person. <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, there's, there's one that's like, um, it just calls this character the Ratman. But mm-hmm. it talks about, yeah, he's a famous director who made a film, uh, Pencil Head. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. That's brilliant. That's so really the actor, good. Tom Pell and his celebrity singer wife, Ramona. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Uh huh. So, and then there's other ones actually, you, you, you Google them because you're like, no, nah, I don't know who the fuck that is. And there's one that's actually said Roger Ebert, isn't it? He talks about having dinner with him and drinks and stuff. Uh, yeah. and just, that, that one I would have never guessed, but it, it's quite interesting. But there's a really good book. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really good. It's, if you like Bukowski, you like this. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, very, very him, how it's done. And obviously, all these books have got a kind of autobiographical element. This is very meta in the sense that he's talking about a film based on him, but he's done it all very fictionalised as well. It's great. It's a cracking book. I'd highly recommend it. That sounds cool. That does sound really good. Times as well. Yeah. Well, that does sound really, really good. You always have, have good books. Have you seen the film Barfly? No. The Mickey Rourke. It's very good. I really liked it. I saw it on Netflix. I was going to say fairly recently. I think it was last year or two. I came across mm-hmm. it. I've seen Fact Totem when it's uh, Matt Dillon that plays him. Oh, Henry Chinaski. But mm-hmm. it was good to see Barfly as well, see the kind of comparisons to see how the two actors both play essentially the same character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Essentially, as Charles Bukowski, and much similar the way that Bill Murray and Johnny Depp both played Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, yeah. And both of them captured the character very, very well, but brought their own thing to it. But yeah, I'd recommend the book. It's good. I'd recommend the film as well. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that sounds really good. I finished... Philip Kerr's series of books, the Bernie Gunther ones, which I actually dragged out reading it because I've loved them so much that I didn't want to finish this last book called Metropolis. And it's set in, you know, pre-war, sort of Weimar Berlin. It's all very, you know, Kit Kat Club and all that sort of thing. And it was excellent. It was a really, really good, strong sort of murder mystery type thing to finish on. And then I read All the President's Men, which was so fascinating. Like, I just love reading about how they pieced everything together and how so many like a lot of their sources fell through and people didn't want to have their names in the paper and the FBI were raging with them because they were convinced they had somehow broken into their headquarters to get copies of memos and just to sort of back and forth about and a couple of times how Woodward sort of missed deep throat as it were because the, the signal had been done wrong or people had moved newspapers in the wrong place and it was just so fascinating to just you know journalists at their peak and using journalism for good as well, I think so often we get caught up in you know journalism being trash or shit stirring, and this is something that was you know really provocative and really different, but you know doing it for all the right reasons. And I am two chapters away 
from finishing this, Simi, your oh. recommendation, The Looming Tower. Obviously, I've watched the series and the book has just annoyed the fuck out of me. Like, really, there's so many. Like, if this was a, you know, a, someone dating someone, like, the red flags would be everywhere. Like, there were so many signs of, you know, this you know, attack was coming, the CIA knew about it, it was literally a dick measuring contest because they didn't want to share information between the two agencies. It's so frustrating, but equally it's so fascinating because it, you know, it goes all the way back to like Egypt in 1948 and it talks about American foreign policy and how they were involved in Afghanistan and part of it is kind of hinting at a sort of reap what you sow foreign policy without actually coming out and saying that it's it's been absolutely fascinating and again i'll be sad when it ends it's a very good book as well to recommend to people that believe 9 11 is just one big conspiracy yep. because in a way it is but not what they think it is yeah it's not jet fuel and steel beams or that and it's it's, it's much more terrifying than that yeah i mean i literally i finished a couple of it was two or three chapters ago when certain things had unraveled and I came downstairs to Chris and I was like 9-11 was an inside job and I was like but just not in the way that you think it is just that nobody would fucking fax a piece of information from one end of the country to the other it was so it has really annoyed me actually and you just wonder in terms of those two agencies like the CIA and the FBI have they modified the way they behave themselves or are they still just like behaving like assholes towards each other because that's been the most you know it's fascinating to read about how you know al-qaeda came to be and you know talking about how protests started in various countries that were you know not connected to each other at all back in the 40s and 50s and you know british army leaving and all that sort of thing to get to that stage but actually the most annoying thing has just been the, the two agencies and their lack of relationship and what could have been different if they'd just been less childish about it basically that's not to say 9-11 wouldn't have necessarily happened, but... Have you seen Bitter Lake, the Adam Curtis documentary? No. It's a three-hour documentary. It's on the BBC iPlayer, and it traces Al-Qaeda's origins and everything, and it goes back to the Saudis, and it goes back mm -hmm. to Syria, and where all the suicide bombing and everything, where all those terms came from and how it all mm -hmm. came out. It's fascinating, and it gives you a timeline from the mid-70s right up until 9-11 and it's amazing it's like you say all these things are kind of all joined up and it's mm -hmm. just because it's the way you, you, you don't get the chance to see everything presented in a way that you kind of understand or you 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 know about and this has brought it all together he's done a few things he did um hyper normalization as well which again is on iPlayer and they're fascinating documentaries there's a bit too much information in the one go you need to kind of stop after about an mm -hmm. hour Oof, I was a bit heavy going, but it's it is a conspiracy theory, but as you say, not in the way that you think it is, and oh. it's totally fascinating. Well, really I'm going to download that. That sounds amazing. That sounds really really good. It just sort of further my bad mood from reading this. Well done. It's made a wee mega humour here. It's very it's, it's very heavy subject, but it's okay. so well written that you just digest it very mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. I've been flying through chapters and again I've been trying to pace myself because I actually don't want it to end because I'm just I think Chris is sick of, <laughs> sick of me though because every time I finish a chapter I'm like and did you know that in 1970 this happened blah 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 and then this guy met that honest to god I've just been I, it's blown my mind in such a, a like a, there's so many elements to it but as you say it's so well written it's almost like 
I don't want to, you know, it's not like you're consuming fiction, but it's very, very readable. Although yeah. there's a lot of statistics and dates and names and locations, it doesn't feel heavy and clunky. It's very, very well written. Yeah, the way the, the, way the story runs, I, mean, I don't know how the, I don't know if the, the show is like a, a one-off or the second season or how it mm-hmm. ends like that, but even how this book ends, you'd think it was like a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. It's just well, like, how, how, this, is a, this is a true story. It's incredible how it's written. It's incredible that's actually how it all happened and how it played out. Yeah. John, it's on Amazon. You should get it. We can have a book club. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so would you recommend yeah. reading the book before watching the TV show? Yeah, because the, t- the TV show literally just kind of touches, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, Sammy, about a year before 9-11, up to 9-11 happening. This goes way back to like the British leaving Egypt post-World War II. It's brilliant. Okay. There's a lot more... There's a lot more context there, I would say. So in terms of what I've been watching, I've been still plowing through The Wire. I can't, like, it's not that I'm not getting into it. I just can't get time to sit and watch, like, three or four episodes on the bounce, which is what I want to do. Obviously, waiting on the last episode of The Boys, season two. So, I mean, I know you're not enjoying this one as much, but, I mean, I'm just kind of loving the fact that Butcher's just walking about in a big black coat, calling everyone a cunt. That's kind of, like, I'm here for this. That's all. <laughs> and I watched, and another series that I watched, it was actually quite good, was that Des with yes, David Tennant. Yeah, where he was playing Dennis Nielsen. I thought that was quite creepy and quite unnerving because I obviously, you know, the story, you know, the bodies get found, you know, bits of them get found in the house and the drains and stuff like that. But I thought his performance was really good. I thought he was quite sinister and if that's what Nielsen was like in his interviews then that must have been really unsettling for those police but I thought it was a really good series it's only three parts as well so you can kind of fly through it it's how nonchalant he is for the whole mm-hmm. thing it's like that's what makes him more terrifying because he's very creepy and sinister not because in a Hannibal Lecter type way where he's mm-hmm. kind of like hamming it up it's the fact that he's just ah, oh yeah I killed that guy yeah just pretty mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. I put that guy's toss, uh, torso on the couch and had my breakfast for watching the telly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, he sat in that chair, I sat in this chair, and we sat and watched the news together. And the way he's explaining that, you're just like, do you fucking hear yourself? <laughs> like, it crazy. It was really good, though. John, I tried to watch Enola Holmes, couldn't get into it, so I gave up after about 45 minutes, I must admit. Not even Henry Cavill's suited and booted could say, keep me interested. <laughs> I watched Unhinged. This is where your first lesson begins. It's okay. It's going to be okay. That's where we are in this world today. You seem to have developed an inability to apologize to anyone for anything. The terrible Russell Crowe movie. I watched that. Honestly, so much of so many films I've seen I can forget, but yeah, I watched that as well. Yeah, it's really terrible. The grunting was quite unnerving. I watched The Social Dilemma, the documentary about YouTube and Facebook and algorithms, because I'm just yeah. kind of sad and geeky that way, and I like to know these things. Terrifying, though. Oh, utterly terrifying. I now want to go and live under a rock in an island in the middle of nowhere with no phone signal where nobody can track my thoughts for the rest of my life. That would be nice. Can I just go back to Unhinged quickly? Sorry, may I not yeah. up for you? I apologise. You keep mentioning stuff that I've seen. Um, <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's a good film. It's not a good film, but I did enjoy it. And... I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I just was put off by where it started that weird grunting and I turned around and I was like is he wanking in his van <laughs> and that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the film <laughs> I think it was a way as well I was going I think he's maybe overreacting a wee bit but <laughs> I do kind of see where he's coming from at the start <laughs> if she just said sorry we wouldn't be in this position <laughs> 
Yeah, so that, I mean, that was terrible. Um, I watched, Sammy, I don't know if you've watched this yet, Limortali, the follow-up to Gamora. That was just, oh, chef kiss. That was so good. And it's just made me realise how much I missed that series and I hope it comes on again. Not least because I like to prance around the house doing my worst Italian accent with the hands everywhere. So. <laughs> it wasn't what I was expecting, though. Did no. you know that, that know what it was about for me watching? Because, because the synopsis told you one thing. And then yeah. within the last five minutes, I'm like, whoa, well, what the, whoa, we're just totally, uh-huh. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad of it and cold because I did not expect, I thought it was going to be just a whole entire, I don't want to go too much spoiler territory, mm-hmm. but I thought it was going to be an entire prequel set, flashback type thing. Yep. Like, yep. Oh, same. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And the ending, I was like, I can't wait for season five. Yeah, I know, you do. It just got me really, really excited. So there was that. I watched the Broken Hearts Gallery, which I take it you two have not seen because it's very teeny bopper ladies let's all cry over ice cream and chocolate together type of movie and I actually really enjoyed it I had Dacre Montgomery from Stranger Things in it which is kind of why I went to see it but it was actually like it kind of avoided sort of too many stereotypes and actually what was really pleasing was the women that were in it were just nice normal shaped women like nobody looked like they had just come off Milan fashion week and hadn't eaten for six months they were just like really nice healthy looking normal girls which I really appreciated as well I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix which totally had me in the palm of its hand up until the last 15 minutes that just lost the fucking plot so that was like really disappointing for me because I was so looking forward to that and finally the last thing I watched was American Murder The Family Next Door which is a documentary about Chris Watts and it just pissed me off so much because he's just such a bastard so that's been my TV and movie viewing experiences for the past couple weeks Uh, yeah that I I can remember that program was called that uh, that film was called a documentary and to have a found footage style true mm-hmm. documentary, I, I, I'm watching it thinking, is this in bad taste? Is this, I, I don't know, I just, it was just so invasive. Mm-hmm. And, but I also see the argument for it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it, it uh, what, I, what kind of interested me is I don't think it necessarily portrayed Shiran or however you pronounce it in the best light actually and usually like they very much go in and you know victims are you know saints and all that sort of thing and it kind of you know people were saying like you know she was bossy she was rude she was dominating it wasn't exactly going yeah she was this perfect mother and this came out of nowhere it was and that interested me in that sense as well and they were kind of making it out to be like I don't know needy and like whether they're showing all the text messages and stuff between them and stuff like that and I just didn't think it painted her in the best light possible and maybe that's how she was the person that's fine but that's what intrigued me as well like I don't think it was necessarily going this is the bad guy and this is the victim it was like these two people didn't like each other and this is what happened which kind of took my breath away as well because that's not usually how these types of documentaries go. I actually managed to watch the uh, two of the films we're talking about today which is the first in research to that degree. Wow. Uh, yeah, usually, well, I usually know the films fairly well, but I had to go back and watch these ones because I realised how little I remembered of them. Yeah. Really, bizarrely enough, Silver Linings Playbook, which I was reading about it on Wikipedia going, I don't remember a lot of this, I'm just going to watch it again. I must admit, these are three of my kind of like all-time favourite films anyway, so I feel like we can talk about them probably yeah. at all. Did you feel emotional last night at the cinema? A wee bit. It was just more... Grim. Oh. Like Monday felt quite sad, but like last night just felt quite like dark. Although it was fucking awesome seeing Akira again in the cinema. I've seen it years ago in the Odeon, but seeing it in the big super screen and things mm-hmm. like that. 
was excellent. The sound was incredible. The score for I love the, I love the score for that film anyway. And just yeah. hearing it in there was amazing. I've only ever seen it once, obviously on a DVD. I know Chris is really keen to go and see it, but I just felt like all the staff, like obviously you couldn't see their faces because the masks. But I just felt everyone looked really sad on Monday, and I was like, yeah. it's so funny because it was all over the newspapers and social media at the weekend before Sunny World had even had a chance to like actually speak to their staff. So it's just good. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I mean, uh, for stuff on, I I see the viewer that I'll still go. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with my card, I'm not going to go just to see any old shit like I've been doing recently. Mm-hmm. Also, I made a fanny of myself because I thought the cinemas that are spelled V U E was pronounced Foo <laughs> and not View. And uh, I have just had the piss dropped out me like all week. I have no idea why. I thought it was Voo. <laughs> makes it sound so fancy in French. <laughs> Yeah, so when you mentioned it there, I was like, oh, yeah, view. Everybody does see that. It's just me that says it. <laughs> it's not like there's some debate around it, like pre-mark and pre-mark. It's like, <laughs> definitely everyone says view. And the might be a debate. It's just how many people do you know that usually go to view? Or view, or what the fuck do I call it? <laughs> no one. Exactly. It's like, I've got a cinema world. I've got the audience. Quite a view. What? Where? Why? Will they stay Hamilton? <laughs> I know. I don't even know where view cinemas are. So it's, I know there's one in the fort. That's it's, it's the nearest one to me. To me but that's, that's right. it's a nice cinema, actually. It's good. It is nice. It's quite new. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. The view is new. <laughs> I think and the closest one to me now. Oh, is it? That's good. Yes. Oh, all the view cinemas are five pounds. You book online five fifty if you buy a ticket. On the door, so it's worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. I'll be my local when it looks at if it stays open. Which I'm sure where that's nearby. It's not an issue. I just mm. there was a a posting was it not was it LinkedIn I think maybe or it might have been from the Guardian. I'm not sure. The the CEO view is saying that they're going to stay open mm-hmm. no matter what because their business plan is to show films and show them cheaply anyway. So mm-hmm. they're going to obviously with a lack of competition during the week then. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to keep going, keep doing it. The thing is, I mean, I'm not saying like, yeah, just make tickets like a quid and get people in, but cinemas don't make their money off uh, films. Yeah. No. They're giant sweaty shops that show films, basically. They're obviously advertising because they have a lot of money, but they don't make their money off films. I wonder if this will now, like, obviously there's nothing really scheduled to come out of, like, the massive films. I wonder if this will, you get a kind of stream of really good indies that are going to come out that are, you know, is this going to well, be a chance for smaller films to get a wee bit of screen time? I think that's what people may have expected to happen. But the way the cinema, especially cinema, we're just kind of threw in the towel with Bond getting delayed again meant that isn't going to happen. I don't think anybody's going to take that punt. And in the chains anyway. As well as well, I've seen a couple of weekend up kind of independent films recently in the cinema just because that's all it's really been shown. Mm-hmm. So cinema will the cinema might very well show these films, but it's up to the studios to market them. And if yeah. the money's not there to market them the same way, you get a blockbuster, people won't go and see them. So it's it's, a, it's it's not really as simple as the cinema just showing them. Yeah, yeah. No, all I was going to say is I saw a, <laughs> saw a Guardian article the other day, obviously from the person who gave Tenet a two star review, as opposed to the guy who gave it a five star review, and he was like, Tenet didn't save cinema. It destroyed it, and I was like, I don't, I don't think tenants to blame for the cinemas having to shut, but no. they were quite, quite certain that it was. 
Well, do you know, actually, funny you mention the Guardian, because I've done some research for this podcast. And of course, the Guardian gave Satan Mod five stars, and that's no my... I'll leave my opinion to the film to later, but I just fucking knew that they gave it five stars. Remember when I see that film for the Guardian, the opening credits went fucking stunning, and they were like, five stars. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Sammy, you crack me up. I'm very excited to talk about this. I'm very excited. This is the, this is the busiest I have seen cinema since it reopened it was as busily as socially distant possible on monday night mm-hmm. which was good yeah i think yeah. a lot of people are using as a sort of last hurrah though mm-hmm. before they they can stop using their unlimited cards because you think about it, it was all unlimited card holders that were there yeah that's yeah. true there's no there's no paying public i usually oh, yeah. find unlimited screenings at the forge decent for the forge that is mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. of times uh but yeah, that was sad. That's sad. Well, a lot of these films, the unlimited screenings, you tend not to get to see them at the likes of the Forge anyway. They just cool. never, they just never come there. They show a couple of the bigger ones and a couple of family-friendly films, and that's it. There's, they miss out on an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, from the Cineworld do show, which is a bit of a shame. Like, for instance, it didn't show Akira. There are seven. Yeah. Also not a lot then. There's yeah, lot there's maybe three reasonable size ones and the rest are reasonably small. Yeah. Maybe four. Six and seven are definitely small. I can't remember what five's like. I'll never forget the first time I went to the secret screening in the center world and it turned out to be Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And then I actually went, oh, for fuck's sake, and just stood up and walked to it. And I'm like... <laughs> Why? Does he have something against apes? But people <laughs> seem to think it was going to be Gardens of the Galaxy. And it's like, really... Do you really think that's what it's going to be? No, and this is the first secret screen I've been in, so I had no idea what it possibly would be. I was not disappointed it was Planet of the Apes because it was out two days later, but mm. other than that, I'm like, I mean, you've seen the, you know, the hashtags on Twitter on that, it's like wasted snacks, and it's like, oh, come on. Honestly, the people who straight away jumped on the whole, like, am I going to have to pay for my unlimited card? Like, fuck up. There are 5,500 like... people losing their jobs and you're worried about whether it's fucking 17 quid coming out your bank account. I mean, shite. And as no, someone who handles so- a business social media account day in, day out, not that I obviously get abuse, despite the fact they're a recruitment agency, I just couldn't help but feel for whoever was managing their social media because that must have been worse than Scott Rail. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's almost like the CEO of the company sitting on social media. Yes. <laughs> You want all your money while I'm sitting in my ivory tower. Ha 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 ha. I'm throwing staff into the fire. 